Welcome to the Myositis Family Circle Podcast, sponsored by the Myositis Association, or TMA. The myositis diagnosis and journey is different for each person and includes more than the individual. This podcast is designed to provide support, information, and inspiration for our myositis family. Hi there, I'm Kim Gray, and I'm walking in your shoes as a DM patient. I'll be your host during our episodes where we'll be talking with myositis patients and caregivers across all diagnoses. And my co-host is TMA's Rachel Bromley, who is the Senior Manager of Patient Education, Support, and Advocacy. Thanks, Kim. Tune into each episode and listen in as our guests share their story about the journey from diagnosis to treatment to thriving with all forms of myositis along with our caregivers. Today's guest is Corrine, who's going to share some of her myositis journey. Corrine, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you both? We're good. We're good. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you for being on the show. So tell us a little bit about what form of myositis you have and your journey um, from, you know, recognizing the symptoms to actually getting a diagnosis. All of those are great questions. So the form of myositis that I have is specifically dermatomyositis, or you'll often hear the acronym DM. I have a specific antibody, MDA5, which is associated with lung disease. I am fortunate enough that I don't have that currently and um, and hoping not to get it. <laughs> and, of course. And for how long it took me to get this diagnosis and kind of what my journey has been, um, the beginning of my symptoms started showing up almost nine months before my official diagnosis, which was mm-hmm. in January of this year of mm-hmm. 2022. Um, I know this is going to be coming out um, a little bit later than 2022, but um, so I started getting rashes is what I first started noticing. I got rashes on my hands and my feet and they were like burning and itching. And I was just like, "Mm, maybe I'm just having an allergic reaction. And then I started getting rashes on my elbows and I started working out at the same time. So I um, was doing planks on my carpet like forearm planks. So I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, it's just the rashes from doing forearm planks. And then I started getting sore and I was like, oh, it's just because I'm out of shape. And then I started getting joint pain and I was like, oh, it's just because I'm finally working out those quads and those hamstrings from that yoga routine I'm starting. And then I started having more of a rash um, in November and I ended up going to the dermatologist actually for a completely different Um, thing to work on my skin and I was showed her my hands and my feet and my face and it was actually going on my ears too and um, she was like oh I just think it's a form of eczema and here take these um, use these cortisol creams and it will be gone and then I used it and a few weeks later actually it was like mid-December I had a flare and the rash was on my neck I never had that and it was starting to be on my shoulders and I was like what is going on Mm. not on my hands and um I went back to my dermatologist um which she was like I think this is an autoimmune disease and I was like "Mm, okay that's definitely different than just eczema um and not saying eczema is just 
I have friends and family that I deal with eczema and it can be brutal. But um, I had to do some skin biopsies and they were not the most comfortable. She came back saying I had lupus, but she's like, this isn't my, um, my field of knowledge, so I'm gonna send you to a rheumatologist. So I went to my rheumatologist in January, like the first week of January. I was really um, fortunate because I was able to get a, an appointment within a week of my dermatologist telling me um, to find a rheumatologist. And so I found someone within my health insurance and I felt really confident about this rheumatologist. And when I got there, they're like, yeah, I think it's either lupus or dermatomyositis and I want to prescribe you a medication but it's not it's great for lupus but it might not be very good for dermatomyositis especially if you have any type of muscle or lung involvement which are two significant um, symptoms that can develop or that can show up and I said well okay well maybe we post that on that she's like I just want to do a few tests well, 19 blood vials later and <laughs> um, urinary tests that she forgot to tell me to do. And so I had to sit in the parking lot for an hour and chug water. Um, I got the results and the expanded myositis panel said I had high positive with MDA5 dermatomyositis. Girl. And so this led to all the tests that you have to do. I was fortunate that I haven't had like any muscle weakness. And so we didn't have to do any type of muscle biopsy. She did check my enzyme count, which has always been fine. Um, but um, when I did all my scans and stuff, my GI system got flagged, which led to other medical issues. Like I got my gallbladder out, all that kind of stuff. So I'm really actually quite grateful about this rheumatologist was very thorough but it was also it's been a very overwhelming uh 10 months because it's been kind of medical things on top of each other um so in total it probably took about since the first symptom almost 18 months um to get to the point where i'm finally getting to a manageable point um and yeah, so the diagnosis and getting to a manageable medication, I'm still working on that that perfect um, medical elixir for me. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm, I'm moving forward and I feel confident with my rheumatologist and I feel good about what I know and continue to learn about my diagnosis. And so, wasn't it? I just chuckled because I had 15 vials of blood too. You had 19. I only, I had 15. And I said to her, "Are you going to leave any for me?" Oh, she, you know, I was just like, "I've never seen that many vials of blood taken." But my goodness, the amount of tests they have to run on them to find and narrow down what it is, and then they can nail it. Oh my gosh, it is so worth it, right? So take take 10 more vials. Let's see how I'm doing now. Definitely. Yeah. It, and it makes you laugh because you go, what, one more thing is coming around the corner. But what has helped you stay on top of understanding your disease? Um, my biggest thing is to learn about it and learn about my own symptoms and to, um, to research about it. So 
for me, I've been really fortunate, like I said, that I don't have the muscle weakness and I don't have lung disease. And recently at the um, TMA conference, I had the opportunity to um, ask a couple doctors and researchers that were specifically working with MDA5 patients. And I said, what was the likelihood of me developing these things, even though I've had symptoms for probably over a year now, maybe even longer, because a lot of us um, myositis patients don't realize how long we've been actually having symptoms. Yes. And they said the likelihood of me developing those things are low. And since I haven't had those for a year, I'm not saying this is like the final thing. I'm definitely going to look for lung disease. I'm going to have to do pulmonary tests for the rest of my life, which is a very interesting experience for those who have to do pulmonary tests and um, all the CT scans, just because you want to make sure you always have a good medical baseline at the start of each year. That Um, is such great advice there. Yeah. To stay on top. Of, I mean, we become the most educated people around, right? When I got my diabetes diagnosis, I was like the best informed. You know, I was reading everything. And with the different uh, associations that we have, like TMA, that focus specifically on this, you can't help but walk away totally informed and included, don't you think? Definitely. The You will become your biggest advocate and you will become your biggest expert because you know what it feels like you know what your body feels like you know what your capacity is each day which changes because our energy level changes every day even if you don't have muscle weakness fatigue and pain are so real and the cognitive impairment that comes from the pain and fatigue um it's often called brain fog or myositis brain um from patients but it's quite real. It's hard. It makes things difficult, but um, it also pushes when you get this diagnosis, you can have it be your sunset on your life where it seems like it's going to be the darkest moment, but make it the dawn of a new beginning and move forward that you are going to be able to be your best advocate. And that's like the one thing um, I want to always encourage people is just because you're seeing medical specialists, Um, not everyone is experts on myositis. If you think about what, the 10 years, the five to 10 years that um, someone's typically in the medical field, this is a rare disease. They go over rare diseases in probably a few weeks, unless they're specializing in them. And even then, they're probably specializing in more of the more common ones, like lupus and MS and ALS. And so... The biggest thing is to point your physicians and um, and also your friends, your family, whoever you're talking to. I've had lots of visits to the hospital because of gallbladder issues and getting a port installed. So I've told lots of people about dermatomyositis and being okay with educating people. It's not supposed to be embarrassing. And it is a little frustrating that a lot of people haven't heard about it, but at the same time, dermatomyositis affects um, a hundred thousand people or less in the United States and then you throw in a specific antibody my percentage is five percent of dermatomyositis cases and the fact that I don't have ILD or muscle weakness makes me probably one percent of that five percent um and so feel free to always educate and to educate yourself um and also that doesn't mean just educating about the diagnosis but how the the disease affects you and affects your family and affects um, those you live with if you're not living with your family. 
Corrine, if you don't mind me asking, so we can help um, people out there of a certain age group that may not feel that they're as represented, do you mind sharing how old you are? Yeah, so I'm 29 years old, which oh. you read in literature. Um, most of the time for dermatomyositis patients, it talks about that it's 40 to 60 year old, um, typically women. Mm -hmm. And so you already feel pretty invisible when you have a rare disease because it's a rare disease. <laughs> um, right. And then once you are not included in that literature, you feel even more invisible. Um, there's so many times where I would look up things and I'm in a time where I'm supposed to be um, building a career or getting further education. I've had to kind of stop everything um, just to get to the point where I can manage and then I can move on with my life um, in a different way. And so for those who are younger than 40, it's a little harder. And I would say older than 18 because juvenile dermatomyositis or juvenile myositis is actually common. We'll say quote unquote common. But um, so if you're in that age of 18 to 40, know that you're not alone and you're not invisible. And that- Well, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, and that research is starting to come out more with considering our age. Well, what I was going to say is I understand that um, you're a volunteer for myositis support and understanding, and um, you head up a group, don't you, for young adults? Yes, I do. So I am a moderator for a Zoom support group for young adults um, for myositis support and understanding. And I also just recently um, got accepted on Every Life uh, Young adult rare representatives. So I'm starting to help those who are um, have rare disease in general and helping get myositis have a voice. Um, I don't think there's anyone else that has myositis on this um, association. And so that's one of the biggest things is finding support groups, um, finding support as a patient and also as a care partner. It's hard, it's hard stuff, but there's people out here that you can be your family through these different groups, like the young adult group that I lead or all the different groups that so many myositis um, groups um, have. So, yeah, one of those brain fog moments. Right. <laughs> we do have a lot of different groups and TMA yes. likes to promote MSU's uh, young adult group because we don't cover that area. And so that's definitely a partnership where we want to encourage people to uh, go to your group if they need to, because like you said, they're probably feeling invisible, feeling alone. And so you have a unique uh, perspective. And I, I'm really impressed with how fast you've gone from having symptoms to actually doing advocacy work. And maybe that is also a tribute to your age because um, it's a lot to make that transition to be from, okay, what is going on with me to educating yourself, to finding support, to being like, okay, now I'm going to help other people. So can you speak a little bit to that journey and how you keep a positive outlook despite all your challenges? Yeah. So I was supposed to be going to grad school and then my diagnosis happened. And so this yearning for um, educating and learning is uh, on fire for me. And so after I started learning about 
um, all the various things, I started becoming friends with people my age through different support groups, um, finding them on Facebook. There's also a Discord group for young adults that I often check in on. And um, I started realizing how many people in this age group also want their voice heard and just in general. Um, and I started thinking, I was like, well, not comparing, but I have a lot of symptoms that are pretty manageable and I'm, I'm a mover and a shaker with that term. Um, and so I started saying, well, with the energy I do have and the pause that I have on my education, I want to start learning and bringing about awareness. Um, and so once I started kind of getting more grips on everything, I started um, volunteering as kind of a patient advocate to help with research studies, to help with um, support groups and it helps me keep positive because I know that myositis is slowly becoming more familiar to those that I talk. Even if it's one person, that one nurse that is helping me wake up from anesthesia from my gallbladder removal, now she knows about myositis because I had to tell her about the rashes because anesthesia can affect your skin. Um, and, um, when you educate others, you also empower your own disease. And that's the most, education is empowerment. And when you can teach others about myositis or anything in general, um, you start empowering yourself and then you start empowering those that don't have a voice, who don't have the energy to share about their journey because their priorities is making sure that they are able to do some of the basics of the day. Um, and so advocacy is not on their top priority. And the ways I stay positive, I'll just definitely say um, I am religious and that helps, but also that community that I've developed from having myositis with people who specifically have myositis, I'm able to kind of unload about on them about myositis and then keep my relationships a little bit more less loaded about health um yes. and keep keep those connections um flourishing which then helps um me stay positive because i'm still connecting with my friends i know yeah. a lot of people say oh i've lost so many friends or i've lost my family um due to my diagnosis and i haven't had that happen because I've learned how to balance and have boundaries towards those relationships where I'm not, I'm, I'll call it medical uh, dumping on them. I'm, yeah. I'm keeping our time um, special to hanging out or to having a conversation about something besides my disease because I already talk about it all the time in my volunteer hours and in my advocacy hours and talking to my friends. And so that keeps me really positive because then like we're we're not meant to be alone. We are, are a social species and we need that support. And um, so that keeps me positive is connecting with people and knowing that I have friends and family showing up for me um, when I need them to, um, because I'm still working on my relationships outside of my disease. 
That's incredible. And I'm going to want to talk to you more about that offsite, offline. Um, what advice do you have for other patients or caregivers? Ooh, that's, I, I've been thinking about this question ever since I read the first time. And um, the biggest advice I have is, is it going to sound uh, kind of doom and gloom? The first part is, <clears throat> one second. One, stay hydrated. <laughs> just kidding. Um, I just have to drink some water because a lot of us know that. Of course, <laughs> no problem. Good. No problem. But, Go ahead. Um, this is a life diagnosis, but this doesn't have to destroy your life. Um, you can use this as an opportunity to empower yourself. Um, I kind of... I, I don't think things happen for reasons, but I definitely, because you can't control when your body's going to go into a flare. You can't control other people's actions. You can't control a lot of things, but you can control what your life is going to be like after the diagnosis and with the symptoms. And, and you can, well, you can control your attitude, not the symptoms most of the time. But um, the biggest thing is to continue to find hope in each every each and every day as a patient and a care partner um, because there is hope and there is there's it's gonna continue to be a life journey and you're gonna find ups and downs and it's gonna be hard some days and some days are gonna be even harder but there's gonna be moments of ordinary joy that you can just revel on. And um, the other factor is to find your myositis family so that you can keep those relationships you have with others um, special and guarded towards this hard thing that you're going through. And that's those are some of my pieces of advice. I could probably go on forever, <laughs> but we want to keep this short. So if right. you want to reach out to me, feel free. I'm on Facebook. <laughs> um, and um, I am a volunteer with MSU, and I think my email is displayed on there. So if you have other questions specifically for a young and adult or someone with dermatomyositis or just need someone to talk to, feel free to reach out to me. So thank you. Thank you so much. We really appreciate you taking the time to do this podcast with us and share your experience. That was very uplifting. Um, and thank you to the audience for tuning in. You were just listening to the Myositis Family Podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, please be sure to find us on Facebook, visit myositis.org and share your comments. Remember from surviving to thriving, we are in this together.